Hi, it must be Robin Hi. and Katie. Hi, Hi. Hi. nice Bill. to meet so, you. Nice to meet you, Robin. Katie, Hi. nice to nice meet, to meet you. you. See you in person Hello. after talking. Yeah. This is Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Nice to meet you. Great, great. We're just catching up on the debate. I had to work overnight last night, so I didn't get much of a chance to watch this one. So, What are your guys' thoughts so far on what you're seeing on the debate? <laughs> I'm frustrated still, and I can kind of talk about that a little yeah. bit. What, what, it's not so much what I'm hearing, it's what I'm not hearing, um, but I can turn this off. <laughs> This is Bill Stump. He's a 63-year-old nurse living in Dubuque, Iowa with his 29-year-old son, Kyle, who has Down syndrome. Can you tell me a little bit about how you guys got into politics and got involved to where you are today? Uh, Prior to Kyle's birth, Kyle was born in 1990. So uh, prior to that, I was uh, pretty involved in union politics. Um, so that kind of is how I really started to get more engaged. I worked in a factory for 30 years prior to becoming a nurse. And, and so, you know, negotiating and, you know, for better wages and health care and things. So that kind of started to get more important. And then Kyle was born in 1990. Um, you had a lot of health problems when you were little, didn't you? He had a trach and... Uh, uh, just lots of stuff, you know, so then it became, you know, the cost issues, you know, what wasn't covered, what was covered, how could we get this covered? And so it became that. So I kind of made a shift from kind of the union stuff really to just focusing on on uh, really how we were going to be able to survive as a family. But it was tough. It was a tough couple of years. Today, Kyle is happy and healthy. He and his father have met with over a dozen 2020 Democratic presidential candidates to ask them to include people with disabilities yeah. in their platform. Okay, so we are ready. Got my notes. You ready to go? Yeah. Okay. So do you want to follow us down then? And, and um, you know, but you got On a chilly Wednesday afternoon in October, my producer, Katie Aiken, and I joined the stumps as they met with U.S. Senator Kamala Harris of California a Democrat who was running to become president of the United States in 2020, but has since dropped I'm out. What sort of things I guess you're hoping to hear her say or like address while she's here? I, I hope she brings up her uh, disability plan as you know, if she's talking about things like that in healthcare and brings it into the conversation. If not, I hope to engage with her afterwards and we'll see if that happens. Um, you know, that, that's what I want to hear. The event wasn't huge. Maybe 70 people came, sitting in folding chairs around a small stage. Yeah. The stumps had reserved seats in the front row. And, and thank you all. Thank you for being here this evening. I know there are many other things you could be doing with your time. And I really do appreciate you spending the time and taking the time to be here. Um, and so I'm going to get right into it. Harris gave and, a and speech and took a few audience questions. She talked about immigration, health care, gun control, but nothing on disabilities. And I hope to have you in Kamala's Corner on caucus night. And I thank you again for all of the leadership that you've provided. Thank you. After the event, we tagged along with Bill and Kyle to a closed meet and greet with the senator at a nearby coffee shop. Going to a political event with Bill and Kyle felt a lot like going to a diner with your grandparents. Every third person we saw on the street, Bill knew and took the time to stop and catch up, asking about their family, their job, everything. 
you know, Earl, the guy that stood out to me. He went around the school groups for many years. My girl's growing up. When Harris came through the door, she walked right up to the stumps and introduced herself. Bill clutched his page full of notes. He thanked Harris for releasing a disability plan. And then... Briefing. Your activism is so important. And, all, and, I, and I know it requires a lot of sacrifice from you both. Um, it really matters. Thank you. It's good I, to hear that. No, it really does matter. And I know that it is painful and difficult. And why doesn't everyone understand and see what is um, a source of hope and a source of our future? The disability community in general is concerned that we aren't getting brought to the forefront. Yeah. And and. Yeah. You know, and, and some folks will say, well, it doesn't get brought up in the debates. Well, it does. Anytime you talk about education, you talk about sure. health care, it's like that's the time to jump in and say, and this is how it will impact people with disabilities. And yep. You're right. be proud of that plan right. that you came out with. I really right. mean that. That's great feedback. That's very yeah. helpful. You're yeah. right. Because You're I think you have right. a powerful voice there, and I think people You're absolutely listen. right. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're Thank absolutely you. right. You're absolutely right. Bill and Kyle Stumpf are not politicians. They are well-known in Dubuque. Like I said, it felt like they knew everyone. But they aren't influencers or major endorsers. They don't have a lot of money to give. And they weren't even committed to Harris. The Stumpfs are just Iowans. This is Three Tickets, the Des Moines Register podcast on the history and culture of the Iowa caucuses. Over the next 11 episodes, we'll be exploring how Iowa came to own the first in the nation spot and what that means for the presidential race. I'm Robin Upsall. Coming up next on C-SPAN, we take you live to Iowa. Iowa. (laughs) Hello, Iowa. In the state of Iowa. I'm back. I love Iowa a whole lot. Tomorrow, Iowa! Ah! Iowans are the first people in the country to cast preference ballots in presidential contests. That means our Midwest state plays a huge role in shaping the most important election in the country every four years. Who gets to become president of the United States? That leadoff spot influences a lot in Iowa and a lot about how the nation views the state and our population of a little more than three million. I came to the register in 2018, 21 years old and having just graduated from college. And after a few days on the job, I was already talking to presidential candidates to be at the Iowa State Fair. People like entrepreneur Andrew Yang came to Iowa to speak at the Des Moines Register political soapbox long before the 2020 so presidential race was on most people's minds. In the country. And one of the biggest problems I saw is that if you are a bright, enterprising person in a place like Iowa, some people are telling you that you have to go someplace else for better opportunities. Young people here, you, you know what I'm talking about? And I, I thought to myself, that is messed up. That is not Before right. I came to Des Moines, I worked in Washington, D.C., covering elected officials at the Capitol. I can tell you from experience, it's not easy getting a politician to talk to you. There, my only encounters with prominent officials were usually to shout questions at them in a hallway and for them to ignore me. 
But now, since I'm a member of the Iowa media, each candidate's staff makes sure I get to ask questions of a person who may become the next president. It can be a little overwhelming. At the 2018 State Fair, I remember when I joined a crowd of reporters from the New York Times, CNN, Fox News, and Politico and got to ask Julian Castro a question. I had practiced the exact phrasing and deliberated for what felt like hours about what I would ask. Over time, I've gotten a lot less nervous. I came to learn that these candidates would be back and that they would be back many, many, many times. The people I talked to in 2018, Julian Castro, Tom Steyer, John Delaney, Andrew Yang, Steve Bullock, all ended up running for president. For reporters across the country, getting access to a presidential candidate happens maybe a few times in a career. But one year out of every four in Iowa, it happens nearly every day. Our calculations say that this cycle, Iowa is hosting about 3,000 events featuring presidential candidates before the caucuses on February 3rd, 2020. Registered reporters and photographers are often on the front lines of these interactions. We have reporters assigned to each presidential candidate, both Democrats and Republicans, and we have those reporters and our multimedia staff attend as many of the candidates' Iowa events as they can. The candidates also come directly to us. Our editorial board invites every presidential candidate to meet with it at least once as it deliberates its endorsement. And reporters get to sit in. The Des Moines Register's executive editor, Carol Hunter, Katie, and I met with presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, at the elevators to go up to the register's yeah, office in downtown Des Moines. I think all of us can make it into the morning. You know what school weekend duty or? Uh, no, <laughs> luckily just this time. I usually get weekends off. <laughs> Although we have a few people here who are pulling the weekend shift. Yeah, I'm working a dodgeball game tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, the campaigns and I were about to think dodgeball. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, are we in on that? Oh, yeah. I think you guys have a team, yeah. yeah you should go play. Uh-huh. I'll be conveniently out of town. <laughs> These meetings are a chance for journalists to press candidates on the big issues. What would you have done differently to improve race relations in South Bend? But they're also a chance to get to know the candidates better and ask some, let's say, less pressing questions. I have a question. Did you end up ever writing a verse for Old Tavern? Yeah. Or... <laughs> I don't know what this story is. I tried to explain this to you. Shelby Fleek started at the Des Moines Register around the same time I did, in August of 2018, and was assigned a few months later to cover the presidential campaign of U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. Since then, she's covered nearly 100 Klobuchar events in Iowa. Um, so in the early days, it was kind of like we were getting to know each other. Um, but now, it, you know, we're on, you know, first name basis and we can kind of it's easier to kind of um, you know, approach on the side and be like, you know, I really need this extra time or I have this question or working on a story or even... Shelby is not a full-time politics reporter at the Register. She's a candidate reporter. That means she's balancing her job covering news that happens around Des Moines, 
with covering Klobuchar. Um, it's easier to um, be able to ask more pointed questions, I think, when you have like a greater context of being in the state, being a resident of the state and part of the community here. Um, at the same time, you still have to be just as you know, aggressive and kind of talking over sometimes the national reporters when everyone's blurting out a question. Um, so it's kind of that same kind of free for all mentality, every man for himself. But um, it is helpful because a lot of the local reporters are focused more on um, either Iowa politics or local policy matters. And I think the candidates are um, more than happy to talk about those things to kind of show off their own understanding of the issues to voters. Candidates who want to show off their Iowa chops grant reporters an Iowa exclusive access, sometimes in unusual settings. The, the Iowa State Fair Sky Glider is basically a ski lift that floats above the Iowa State Fair. There's several Shelby convinced Klobuchar to ride the Sky Glider with her and do an exclusive interview for the register. Just a reporter and a U.S. senator on a rickety fair ski lift. We talked about all kinds of things, including uh, fair food and... Um, the rivalry with the Minnesota State Fair. She's the senior senator from Minnesota and um, also talked a little bit about policy. So it was nice. And uh, Kelsey Kramer, who is our caucus photographer extraordinaire, was riding in the the lift seat right up in front of us. And so she was actually turned around in her um, her little metal bench thing uh, with the, with all of her camera gear um, recording the whole thing. So that was that had to be tough. Pete Buttigieg also granted a Skyglider interview to register reporter Barbara Rodriguez. Nice, great. With the foods, did you have a, a favorite food? The um, bacon ball BLT is my front runner right now. What about it? The uh, surprise and delight, because uh, you got the bacon, then you find the meatball in it, and then you get to part with the cheese. And you, I didn't see the cheese coming. Lynn Ta, a former business reporter at the Register, is a native Iowan. Lynn covered both U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York and Washington Governor Jay Inslee in the 2020 presidential race before they ended their candidacies. In 2016, she covered Republican presidential candidate Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana. And in fall of 2019, she was assigned to cover Republican Joe Walsh, a former congressman from Illinois. A huge part of Iowa campaigning is retail politics, meeting potential voters one-on-one at local events. Lynn's position as a business reporter combined with her love of food makes her a go-to source on where candidates go to meet, greet, and eat. And for Republican candidates storming the state most years, the answer is Pizza Ranch. Everyone went. Mike Huckabee... When I followed Jindal, he went, just everyone. It's, I mean, they got good fried chicken. Yeah. Is that your recommendation for people who go to Pizza Ranch? Yeah, and dessert pizza. And dessert pizza. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before Lynn became a reporter, she'd experienced the caucuses from the perspective of a young Iowan. And it seems crazy to me, for example, but like you've literally been dealing with this your whole life, right? So how do you feel about the caucuses or how do people you know feel about the caucuses? What I think about is Urbandale High School, who just a few a few years back um, during the last general election where they had people like Donald Trump come and visit. Uh, I think he went to their homecoming dance or, or just spoke before their homecoming dance. I mean, even growing up in Iowa, 
um, it was just such a normal thing. You didn't really think twice about it having, you know, a Barack Obama um, come visit your school or something like that. You're just like, all right, just another day here in Iowa. There's a saying that politicians have three tickets out of Iowa, the top three spots in each party's caucus. If they rank in one of those top three spots, they go on to New Hampshire as a leading contender to win the presidency. Since 1972, when the modern Iowa caucuses began, every candidate who has gone on to win the nomination has held one of these three tickets out of Iowa, with just one exception, and that was John McCain in 2008, who was barely edged out into fourth. And that's where we get the title of this podcast, Three Tickets. If a candidate doesn't snag one of those elusive three tickets, it might just be time to pack up and go home. So politicians go all in for Iowa. They show up at party meetings, neighborhood events, parades, and sometimes high school homecomings. There's an expectation to meet people face-to-face in Iowa before you even think of caucusing for them. Even if you host campaign events in your own house, that isn't a guarantee of support. Here's Bill Stump again. So I've opened our house to them and said, if anybody wants to have an event here, they're welcome. And, and, uh, And so we did do one where Cory Booker was talking about gun violence. So... They hooked our TV up to a closed circuit kind of thing. And there were some about, I think there were a few places in Iowa that were doing it. And then there were two or three in New Hampshire. And it's just a good way to have conversation. Uh, I did one quite a while back now with the Warren campaign. Then, in turn, these Iowa conversations begin to shape the campaigns themselves. Candidates retell stories from their Iowa trips on national debate stages and televised events. It is partially pandering, but it can also shape conversations on a national level. You could see this happen during the June 2019 debate in Miami. In the late winter and early spring of 2019, Iowa suffered terrible flooding. Towns and roads in the southwestern part of the state near the Missouri River were completely underwater. Droves of presidential candidates and Republican Vice President Mike Pence came to meet with Iowans and tour the flood zones. Climate change is an issue for voters across the country, but Democratic candidates campaigning in Iowa seized on the repeated flooding in southwestern Iowa as a real-time example of climate devastation. Beto O'Rourke, a former congressman from Texas who has since dropped out of the race, was one of the many presidential candidates who visited Pacific Junction, a town of about 500 people 20 miles south of Council Bluffs, right near the Missouri River. In March, residents evacuated the city when as much as 10 feet of water poured into their homes. O'Rourke came to talk with residents about their plans for the future and to help out directly with people hoping to rebuild their homes or simply retrieve their belongings. Um, A lot of total losses. We're walking over with Frank and Dave right now to see a home that was built in 1908 um, that may be damaged beyond repair right now. And what, so what, what, what are you doing now when you come into the house and you're working on it? Are you trying to salvage possessions? Are you, yeah. you, you can see what we got. That's it <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. Some of the, we've got. some of the family keepsakes, uh, a lot of it, most of it is ruined. And so, but O'Rourke's visit was short. 
but the experience stuck with him. He talked about his time in Pacific Junction when he brought up climate change on the campaign trail throughout Iowa and beyond. And then Pacific Junction made it onto national television. We were in uh, Pacific Junction, a town that had never meaningly flooded before, just up against the Missouri River in Iowa. And every home in that community had flooded. Um, there were farms the concerns of Iowans come up frequently in the Democrats' nationally televised debates. In the first five debates, Iowa was mentioned 23 times. Bill and Kyle Stump, who try to get to candidate events and ask questions as often as they can, also made it to a national debate. They had met Kirsten Gillibrand, New York's junior senator, at a Fox News town hall in Dubuque. A few weeks later, a member of Gillibrand's staff called the Stumps and invited them to dinner with the I, senator. I thought it would be more of a, a group, you know, because they usually do that. They well, walked into the restaurant and it was just Kyle and I and Senator Gillibrand and her political director. So I'm like, holy cow. You know, I mean, we had an hour and a half with a presidential candidate. Bill said Gillibrand took notes through the dinner and promised to look into his concerns over employment for Iowans with disabilities. We talked about, you know, getting Senator Harkin involved in doing a disability forum and doing all this. And, you know, afterwards I thought, yeah, it's political speak, you know. Um, Things could have ended there. But a few weeks later, Gillibrand invited Bill and Kyle to the Detroit debate as her guests. It was an opportunity Bill knew they had to take. I always make it clear we paid our own way, and I gladly did that because I didn't want it to look like anybody was pandering. Just and uh, and we hadn't really endorsed her up to that point. She never really even pushed the the topic. She, you know, Gillibrand dropped from the presidential race soon after. But the stumps have made their impression not only on the candidates but also on the national media following the Iowa caucus. In December's presidential debate, Politico's Tim Alberta brought up the stump specifically in a question on disabilities. Switching gears here, Mr. Steyer, earlier this year in Iowa, I met a father, Bill Stumpf, and his son Kyle in Dubuque. Kyle is a remarkable young adult with significant disabilities, and though he's been employed for about five years at a local pizza parlor, the future is very uncertain for his family. Bill worries that there aren't enough jobs, living facilities, social programs designed to meet the needs of his son. So I'm wondering, as president, are there specific steps that you would take to help people like Kyle become more integrated into the workforce and into their local communities? We called Bill the day after the debate. Yeah, it was a little surreal. Um, I mean, we didn't expect it. So Kyle was sitting in the chair in the corner and I was sitting on the couch and we just kind of looked at each other and he immediately you know, threw out one of those amazing smiles that he has, and, and I just started crying. I just, it was like, you know, this is what we've been working towards. And to finally see it, you know, come to fruition was pretty amazing. I'll be honest, I lost my mind when we heard Bill and Kyle's names during the debate. It's so essentially Iowan. These two normal people whose living room I've been in were able to not just meet, but to befriend presidential candidates and share what issues mattered most to them. And after months and months of activism and hard work, these two normal people had their issues spotlighted in front of millions of Americans. 
Iowa's leadoff voting status offers people here the opportunity to influence the narrative of the presidential campaign. And candidates know it. They come to Iowa seeking to show they've got what it takes to earn a ticket out of Iowa and continue on to a path they hope leads to the White House and a new passage in the nation's political history. In this podcast, we'll take a deep dive into what makes the Iowa caucuses the weird, wonderful, confusing process that they are. We'll talk with some of the legends of Iowa politics about the early days of the caucuses and how they've evolved today. In future episodes, we're planning to revisit episodes originally produced in 2015 by Register reporter Jason Noble, who now works on Elizabeth Warren's campaign. Aspects of caucus culture and history explored in those episodes continue to influence the caucus landscape today. At the end of each episode, I'll also update you on what's changed since 2015 when they were originally recorded. Thank you, first of all, to this podcast producer, Katie Aiken. She helped me record and put together this episode, and I'm tremendously grateful. Thanks also to politics editor Rachel Stassenberger and the staff at the Des Moines Register for their help producing and reproducing this podcast. It's been a team effort. And thank you, yes, you, the one listening, for supporting our work. Make sure to subscribe to Three Tickets on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you find podcasts to keep up to date on new episodes. You'll be hearing from us again soon.